0: most of us will have walked the equivalent of three times around the world by the time we have passed 75 percent of the population will suffer from a foot problem in their lifetime foot pain is not normal and it is treatable podiatric physicians and surgeons are the people who evaluate and treat these foot and ankle problems you are listening to reach md the channel for medical professionals Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Michael Kotzen, a podiatric physician and surgeon in private practice in Van Nuys, California. And I am your host. With me today, Dr. Ronald Lipo, a podiatric physician and surgeon who has been in private practice for over 37 years in the Houston area. He is the past president of the American Podiatric Medical Association, past president of the Texas Podiatric Medical Association, the only American to serve as president of the International Podiatric Medical Association, board certified in podiatric surgery. He is a fellow of the American College of Foot and Ankle Surgeons, and he is a recent recipient of the Distinguished Service Citation Award, the highest award bestowed upon any APMA member. Dr. Lipo. Many patients are confused when having to choose between an orthopedic and a podiatrist for their foot and ankle needs. Can you elaborate on the differences when it comes to both surgical and primary medical training of these two groups?
1: Yes, Dr. Cotton, I appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you today. I think that this is a really good question because frequently patients are trying to decide whether they should see a podiatric physician or some other physician for their foot problem. I think it comes down to education. As some of your audience may know, a podiatric physician will spend four years in undergraduate school in pre med studies, which is followed by four years of podiatric medical school and then a minimum of two and frequently three years of surgical residency. So whereas other medical specialties, uh, for instance, orthopedic surgery, they don't have this type of intense focused training in the foot and ankle, our profession will require this before the privilege to practice is bestowed upon any of our colleagues.
0: Are podiatrists licensed by governing board as well as certification boards?
1: Podiatrists in every state must acquire a license to practice in that state, and there is some reciprocity among some states, but for instance, here in Texas, you have to take a Texas board examination or some equivalent in order to be able to get your Texas license even though you may have a license in another state. Probably the most generic type of certification that you're referring to is your board certification or orthopedics certification, which is two of our specialty boards and that is available to doctors upon completion of certain requirements in order to be able to qualify to sit for the examinations for these two boards.
0: Dr. Lipa, what type of medical and surgical privileges do podiatrists have?
1: Well, our medical and surgical privileges are the same as any other practicing physician. This includes prescription writing. This includes admissions to hospitals. This includes surgical privileges. But, of course, all of that in terms of the hospital has to be evaluated by the credentialing board at the hospital, just as it is for any other physician. The short answer is that there really are no differences between the requirements to provide these services for a podiatric physician than any other physician.
0: To your knowledge, Dr. Lipo, are uh, podiatric medical and surgical procedures often covered by Medicare as well as other insurances?
1: The answer is yes. The procedures that we perform are all covered by insurance companies with very few exceptions and podiatrists are recognized by the government and Medicare as physicians. That is the definition of podiatry in Medicare law. So there are no problems there and patients of course come to see us that have all types of insurance coverage today including Medicare and Medicaid.
0: What kind of settings do you generally see podiatric surgeons operating in? What are different areas that they can perform their surgeries?
1: Minor procedures are often performed in the office as do other medical specialists like dermatologists, for instance, do minor procedures in their office. We also, of course, frequently are involved in surgical centers, outpatient centers, where the patient goes into the surgery center in the morning, has the procedure performed, and then is discharged by the afternoon. And then, of course, there's the traditional hospital setting, which is usually reserved for more significant ailments, including patients that may have to spend extended periods of time there because of some sort of an infection that needs to be treated in-house as opposed to as an outpatient.
0: What kind of advances have been made in foot surgery to allow it to be more successful and less painful over the years?
1: That's an interesting question, and I feel as though I have kind of a unique perspective on that, having been in practice for as many years and having seen the evolution, as is true in all other branches of medicine, be it cardiovascular surgery or neurosurgery or orthopedic surgery, advances in our profession and technology have just grown by leaps and bounds. We today do all kinds of things that we didn't do several years ago, and this includes use of high-tech instrumentation, absorbable materials that we use as opposed to having to leave in hardware such as wires or pins or screws. We also, of course, have instrumentation now that allows us to be a lot more efficient in the operating room so patients, therefore, can have an outpatient procedure and go home and become ambulatory a lot more quickly. Additionally, in terms of that post-operative recovery period, today a lot of times patients don't require to have the traditional casting or immobilizations that we once did unless they have some sort of an unusual or extensive operation. And so very often a patient can get around quite nicely with a post-operative shoe or some sort of a small boot or walker, a cam walker, and this make walking a lot more efficient and also a lot faster up and about than it was, say, 20, 30 years ago. So there's been a lot of improvements in a variety of materials and a variety of techniques. If you've just tuned
0: in, this is Dr. Michael Kotzen, and you are listening to Reach MD, a channel for medical professionals. I am speaking with Dr. Ronald Lipo from Houston, Texas, and we are discussing the evolution of podiatric surgery. Moving on, what new technologies have you seen in your hands that have reduced postoperative healing times and have increased return to activity times for your patients?
1: Some of the things that we do now that we didn't do several years ago include smaller incisions and use of scopes and various types of instruments that allow us to be less traumatic in surgery. And I think that's probably the greatest improvement. For instance, a patient that may have a heel problem, we have techniques that we use now not unlike what the orthopedist will do in the knee when he will go in with a scope and see the problem and fix it. We can do this in the heel. We can also do it in the ankle with a scope. So this is some of the most, I guess, some of the most prominent types of advances we've made, and that is being able to do more work without being as traumatic. And then when you talk about instruments and you talk about the different types of approaches that we make, this has also enabled us now over the years to determine what needs to be done in a less traumatic way and be more efficient in our operating time, which uh, results in a quicker recovery and more normal activity after the procedure. In addition to that, we use a lot more physical therapy on our patients after surgery than we once did. And that also seems to facilitate their healing and their progress after surgery.
0: Dr. Lipo, what are the more common foot conditions that you see in your practice that require surgical
1: intervention? Well, our practice and the practice of most podiatrists really can be defined as cradle to grave. We start with very young children who have an in-towing problem or an out-towing problem or club feet, and we treat through the adolescent years into midlife and on into the senior population as well. And at any stage of life, there could be problems which, when not able to be corrected in a conservative measure, do require surgery. So it would depend on the diagnosis. It would depend on whether or not uh, all possible conservative attempts have been utilized to try to relieve the patient's symptoms. And if that fails, then generally there are some surgical options that we can employ to take care of the problem when other approaches fail.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about what invasive procedures you have found to be successful in the treatment of heel pain, one of the more common things that we see in podiatry?
1: Well, There are two primary issues involving heel pain that we focus on. One, of course, is if there's a heel spur. And if there's a heel spur, which is a prominence of bone on the bottom of the heel, very often that prominence needs to be removed. But more times than not, the cause of the problem has to do with an inflammation or a tight plantar fascia, which is actually the covering, the veil that supports the musculature on the bottom of the foot. And so I think that in terms of some of the greatest improvements that we've made for remedying this problem surgically has been the use of the endoscopic plantar fasciotomy, which is where we can go in there, identify the tight bands of the plantar fascia, and lengthen them or cut them in order to relieve some of the pressure on the heel and relieve the pain and eliminate the problem. This is a procedure that's done as an outpatient. It takes about 20 minutes to do it. It is done under a local anesthetic, can be done as an outpatient with IV sedation, as many cosmetic procedures are performed and the patient can walk out of the operating room, the surgical center, with a bandage and a special shoe.
0: On a final note, what do you hope for in the future of podiatric surgery?
1: Well, Training and the experience of uh, those who are training the young doctors is growing uh, every year. And we see a lot of things now in terms of being able to approach problems in a more efficient fashion and to minimize the amount of pain and discomfort and disability of patients. And I think that's an exciting thing. The other thing is that we're making some inroads now in treating more chronic and debilitating manifestations of diseases such as diabetes or arthritis. And I think that's pretty exciting as well. And of course, One of the most significant areas now where research and progress has been made is in wound care. Wound care is a big area now, and there are so many wounds that we see on the foot that are related to chronic ailments that it's a big area for podiatric doctors to be addressing at this point in time and I think that the future is very bright I think that there are many 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 in our population who believe that it's inevitable if they have a foot problem that they have to suffer with it and we need to dispel that thought because it's not true the truth is that feet are not supposed to hurt and that we can with our modern technology and techniques and our approaches to an understanding of foot problems do a great deal to relieve a foot sore public.
0: Well, I want to thank you very much, Dr. Lipo, for being part of the Clinician's Roundtable. Your information was very important today, and I appreciate you taking the time to share your experience and your knowledge with us.
1: Thank you for asking, and I appreciate the opportunity to share my thoughts with you.
0: I am Dr. Michael Kotzen, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. My thanks to Dr. Ronald Lipo of Houston, Texas, for joining me today and we have been discussing the evolution of podiatric surgery. Be sure to visit our website, reachmd.com, now featuring podcasts of this and other featured series. Thank you for listening.